Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. <laughs> no, don't go away. Stay right where you are, please. This is TNT Radio. Uh, this is uh, live. We're broadcasting live out of the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast. I usually refer to our station as being based in Brisbane. And a certain high-ranking member of the TNT upper echelon said, you know what, we're actually not in Brisbane. We're in the Gold Coast, which is near Brisbane. So anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's all good. You're tuned in, and that's what's important, and hopefully you'll stay that way. Uh, I shall be on air for another 55 minutes. Dee will be joining me in a minute. And then the wonderful and incredible Karen Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Mezek, will be joining me from uh, America. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning where she is. She's absolutely dedicated as hell to TNT. Uh, she does shows with Hesher. Uh, she does shows with Trish Wood. Uh, she's been doing shows with me now for about a year now. Love her to bits and she always has a lot to say. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what's happening in the world at the minute? Uh, a lot of interesting stuff here. A lot of interesting stuff. Let me just have a quick look at what I've highlighted. Uh, Sweden uh, is recently getting tough over immigration. Finally, <laughs> finally, the MPs are now saying it out loud uh, how it has destroyed, destroyed a once peaceful country. Now they are also abandoning the net zero bunkum, hopefully the first of many countries. So Sweden are slowly but surely waking up to the realization that diversity is maybe not their strength and uh, things are not necessarily enriched by having humongous amounts of people uh, dropping into the country um, from other places. Uh, Karen has actually entered the room a little bit prematurely. Hopefully she can stay tight. Karen, we're going to be coming at you live in about 10 minutes, about 10 minutes if you can bear with us, but you're free to observe me flinging my arms around and Darren uh, flinging his arms around too. You're more than welcome. That's how we roll here. It's just a nice atmosphere in TNT Radio. And soon, I hope you people will have the, the joy of experiencing TNT TV, and you'll certainly at the very least be able to watch us as we broadcast on the radio, and uh, we should have also a dedicated TV broadcasting type operation up and running soon, so please watch this space. Uh, I'm going to cut uh, to a quick break, bring Didi in, we're going to have a quick chat about old... Old Prince Willie, uh, we're going to talk about him and his uh, homeless endeavours, his pontification and self-promotion of the royal family, no doubt. We'll do that when we come back in a split second here. Don't go away. This is TNT. Breaking down the headlines. It's the news I trust. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. All right, Darren, let's get down to business. Homelessness and Prince William. What's happened? Has he been uh, made redundant? Has he been booted out of Sandringham? What's this about homelessness and Prince William? Surely yeah, not. He, he's a, not on the streets, is he? Almost a contradictory statement. It's not two, it's two words uh, or two names uh, that you'd often put together. But uh, apparently uh, Prince William is going to get into a, a, a prince's project to help uh, the homelessness 
uh, in the UK. And actually, there's been many articles, and quite often they show article uh, they show images of like tent cities on the streets. These aren't our own homeless because they can't even afford tents. Uh, currently, there are three hundred thousand homeless, uh, according to the Prince's Project. And councils in England say they have one point two million people on housing waiting lists. Uh, there are massive challenges facing Prince William's ambitious plans to help cut homelessness. It's not just the practical questions of raising funds and building thousands of extra housing units and support ser- services. Uh, and there will be some cynicism about a wealthy landowner with several pot- properties calling on other people to tackle homelessness. So I wonder how much money uh, out of his own pocket, which is endless. I suspect Prince William's money uh, or, or, or uh, um, access to finance and revenue is pretty much endless. I wonder how much he's going to put into into the pot to, uh, to to deal with the homelessness problem that we're experiencing in the UK. And after the latest interest rate rises, is likely to increase in the future as people can't afford to rent or buy or pay their existing uh, mortgages. So I had an idea. I think it's an absolute brainwave, Rick. Uh, why don't mm-hmm. we stick our homeless people into four-star hotels? That's my question to you. Why don't we do that? Uh, or a palace, for example. I can think of a huge Ooh, place, yeah. slap bang in the middle of London. It's called Buckingham Palace. I think it is. I don't know how many rooms it has. I don't know how many bathrooms Locked. it has. It even has a big. It even has a big wall outside, and it has its own security CCTVs. It's got its own in-house chefs, butlers, maid service, concierge service. It's got it all. And from what I can understand, the last resident, the Queen, uh, is no longer there. Uh, Charlie has taken it over, and there's he doesn't have a big family. Darren, it's just him and Camilla, from what I understand. The children have all grown up and flipped the nest. So wouldn't it be a lovely gesture, a, a, a serious gesture to get the ball rolling and set an example as our king and queen consulate or full queen or whatever title she's going now why not throw the doors open for one of the royal properties and bring in some of these destitute asylum seekers and lead by example i'm sure that would encourage many other people to fling their doors open too what are the chances of that happening uh, slim to zero. I'm going with zero. If I was a betting man, uh, William wants to take an inter- he wants to take an interventionist plan to create extra housing and measurably cut homelessness over the next five years. The Royal Foundation of the Prince and Princess of Wales is initially providing three million, so they are dipping into their pocket. They found three million down the back of the sofa uh, with half uh, half a million seed funding for initiatives in six locations, and that money will go nowhere. That will make zero difference to the homeless problem. Uh, For building projects, that would not go very far. Oh, it's almost like the the article is preempting what I am saying. Uh, The restoration project at Buckingham Palace, so they should open the doors at Buckingham Palace with a gate because that restoration project has a budget of, wait for it, 369 million. You have to ask whether we're just being trolled here in this article. There are also reports for plans for social housing on Prince William's Duchy of Cornwall land, but nothing has been confirmed. So have to remember, the royal family are also the largest landowners in the UK, effectively owning all the land. So there's plenty of places that uh, they could build on and uh, help the, the homeless problem. Uh, the Dutch of Cornwall advertises luxury holiday cottages. 
on this land, sometimes for more than three thousand pounds per week and that's probably gone up now because they've looked at the interest rate rises and i've gone no let's chuck a couple of more you know five percent on top of that just so that we're still at going rate so um it's almost like whoever wrote this article and this article does come from the bbc uh it's almost like they're having a bit of a chuckle you know because the contradictions uh, yeah it's a troll job uh, and the whole article, these are the bits that I could find in the article that actually talked about homelessness. The rest of it just talked about the royal family, about Charlie, about William, about Camilla. The only one they didn't mention was Andrew, uh, because that would really bring the tone down. Uh, it would. And by the way, I know you're a figures man and you usually have a calculator not too far away from you. But I, I ran some figures just as you were talking. <laughs> I ran some figures. So that three million quid, uh, if you divide that by, say, 250 grand to build and equip a, a, an eco-friendly house, that will build a grand total of 12 houses, one, two, a dozen houses. So it sounds like a lot of money. To you and me, it's a hell of a lot of money, but in comparison with the 369 million refurbishment budget for one place, which is Buckingham Palace alone, and let alone what money did they spend recently on that bloody coronation? How much money did they spend on yeah. that coronation? Could that not have been More taken and used million. to build a hundred houses? Yeah, a, a lot of money, my yeah. friend. So yeah. it's virtue signaling. And sadly, the masses, the, the royalists will lap it up. They'll say, well, he's a good guy. He cares about the homeless. I saw him out working on the streets, selling big issues not so long ago with the security detail around him. Nobody was actually allowed to touch him. You know, he had to hand them over via. Uh, security guards but here's the thing you know i don't know how much longer the royal facade can last the last bastions they really have are kate and william uh, and those brood of kids that they have charlie's out Camilla, who cares? Uh, where's Prince Edward? Has anyone seen him recently? And Sophia's wife, Princess Anne, Andrew. Let's face it, they're hanging everything, I think, on old Willie and Kate. And uh, it's only a matter of time before they come a crop or two, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, as we have said on this, uh, whenever we do talk about the royals, uh, the royal family, England, everything that mattered to me personally died when the Queen died. Not because of the Queen, just because of what that stood for, the symbol. Once that went, uh, the royal family uh, are now on that downward spiral. Uh, and then, you know, there may be a uh, King William uh, and uh, a King Consort or whatever she's going to be called, Kate. Uh, but I suspect that uh, it will be a minimal royal family, similar to the royal families that we see dotted around Europe uh, and the rest of the world. They will become purely just symbolic with zero influence or power, but they will keep all their money. Yeah, And the other thing is, you know, we've got this £369 million budget for the Buckingham Palace. That's a million pound a day plus some change left over. You could make a massive difference to homelessness with a, just a million, with a million pound a day. Uh, and we spend all this money sending it abroad to blow up people in Ukraine. You know, why don't we just spend that money on, on sorting our own people out? So, you know, this whole, like I said, this whole article is a, a troll. Uh, the person who writ this must have no self-awareness uh, because of some of the facts and figures that are contained in it. Uh, and I suspect Prince William, although he'll get a lot of media coverage, will make zero difference to the homelessness that we're likely to see increase, maybe even in pandemic-style levels of homelessness uh, over the coming five years. 
Well, you know, the Royals, are, we're not big Royal fans here, you and I, uh, but interestingly, since the coronation, just talking about it, Natalie and I were talking earlier about Michael Gove and uh, Mark Drakeford, Chris Whitty, Jonathan Van Tam, all these faces that you saw nonstop over a period of time of old, Dominic Rab, where's Dominic Rab? Where's uh, Grant oh, Shops oh, these yeah. days? You know, Robert Jenick, where the hell has he gone? They're there. Yeah. Pretty Patel, remember, <laughs> remember her? When's the last time you've seen her mug anywhere the fact of the matter is Charles I think and correct me if I'm wrong on this but since he's became uh, officially uh, the king since that coronation day I don't think I've seen or heard from him uh, pretty much since then uh, me personally I haven't but he seems to be laying low he's popped up a couple of times on climate issues uh, but he, right. he does tend to get slapped down, doesn't he? No, 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 Charles, no, no, don't talk about anything political. And then he pops his head up again and then he gets slapped down. And the politicians you've mentioned, uh, it looks like a lot of the COVID era decision makers, they're all slowly being uh, uh, put into the, the shadows and, and exited and, 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 you know, being told off and, you know, kicked out of the Conservative Party for eating cake during and having parties <laughs> things like that they're all being disappeared and then we'll have a new bo- uh, crop of politicians and we say look at the mesh that you made and they'll just go wasn't us it was the last crop of politicians we're here to make a new mess and then they'll get rid of us they will it's a it's a funny old setup too charlie waited for so long uh, to be king you know he must have been you know deep down inside going when the hell is she gonna you know get off the throne give me my turn Finally, she pops her clogs. He's whatever age she was, and he's an old toss pot now. His his yeah. best years are long behind him, and he's got to be thinking, "Oh well, you know, I need to hang on to this as long as possible." You know, you've got Harry on one side good, with Megan, and then you've got well, it wasn't bad, you know, it wasn't bad. But yeah, the old tree hugging tosser uh, can't have too much uh, steam left in the old fans. engine. Old sausage fingers, yeah. So who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen to him? But one thing's for sure. They're not short of a few quid, are the Windsors. So let them preach, uh, practice what they preach, throw the doors open. Or even, here's the thing, just to summarize this up, even take an old, I mean, like the amount of properties they must have down, surely they could sit down and say, right, there's one there, it's old and it's knackered, but we'll donate it to the, the plebs just as a token act, you know. They won't even do that because they're just hanging on to that wealth in tightly clenched fists. And that's the problem. When you have money, believe it or not, if you're motivated by it, you can never have enough. You can never have enough gold. And so, well, you would know all about this being a, a, oh, a gold merchant. I know, but you can't get enough of it. That's the thing. Well, and silver coins, always like trainers and hats, trainers and yeah. hats. That's another well, one. You can never have you. enough trainers. Never have enough I'm trainers. I'd rather have more trainers than, than gold. <laughs> That's how important yeah. these shoes are, dude. But listen, on that happy note, we might as well end on a laugh. You know, we might as well end on a laugh. Uh, Didi, big thanks for the input. As always, you know, I'll hook up again tomorrow morning at 10 as later. normal. I'll be right back after this break uh, with Karen Hunt. Please don't go away. This is TNT Radio. Jesse Zerowell on TNT Radio. The situation here is dire. My landlord just sold the house I live in, so... 
I have to move out of here by the end of August and I'm starting to look for a new place to rent and what landlords at other places are asking for from renters is ridiculous. So for example, a lot of landlords are requiring that tenants make at least $6,000 a month, so $72,000 a year, as if that's a baseline or an average salary, which it's absolutely not. Most people I know don't get paid anywhere near that amount. And it also speaks to me of a detachment from reality on their part as to the financial situations of most people. Jesse Zerowell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. For almost 30 years, Kids Foundation has educated and empowered children to live safely and create a better life for those affected by serious trauma, injury, or burns. Kids Foundation also helps children who have suffered serious burns and injuries to recover their self-confidence and joy of life by running amazing camps and team experiences. The vision of Kids is for every kindergarten child in Australia to experience Seymour safety. It's amazing toy character who takes children on a beautiful, inspiring, and fun educational journey. Kids learn about all sorts of dangers, including how to handle unwanted advances by others, where to walk on the roads, and where to store chemicals and houses out of the reach of young kids. Your support is needed to expand the impact of Kids Foundation in keeping our kids safe from unnecessary harms and helping them to recover their lives after injury. To find out how you can support kids, visit kidsfoundation.org.au. A message brought to you by TNT Radio. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, and two blobs of carbon I'm sure they would love to dispose of is my little carcass and also that of Karen Hunt, who's now joining me from an undisclosed location somewhere in the U.S. of Hey, uh, if you haven't heard her before, she's an incredible uh, orator. I think she's a great speaker and she's a fantastic writer. You can follow her on Twitter at Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Alain, A-L-A-I-N-E, Hunt. And also she has a fantastic Substack that I would thoroughly encourage people to subscribe to and support her on that at khmezek, M-E-Z-E-K dot substack dot com. She's an author. She's an artist. She's a kickboxer, an independent journalist, a renegade, a truth and she has a humongous no surrender splattered all over her Twitter bio. She's banned and reinstated. She's back up and running. Karen, how on earth are you doing today? What an introduction. <laughs> I'm doing great and it's been a long time, so I'm really happy to see your <laughs> smiling face. <laughs> it's likewise, great to be likewise. here. No matter what, what time it is that you come on here, you're <laughs> always smiling, which is good. And I think it's an infectious smile that you have. Tell me this. Are you in L.A. or Arizona at this point in time? I'm in Arizona. I'm in Phoenix. I was just in okay. uh, Costa Rica for a month. And mm -hmm. uh, came back because I realized that uh, I wasn't feeling it, you know, being out there in the jungle. I had to get back mm -hmm. into the battle, so I came back. And uh, well, tell us, tell, 
tell us a little bit about that trip because you did uh, take off for quite a period of time. Uh, soul searching, bit of inspiration for writing. Were you doing some other type of work down there? What was the? Tell us about that trip to Costa Rica. Uh, I was actually thinking maybe I would, you know, stay there for an extended period of time, and uh, do, you know, do my writing from there, live more you know, on with the land and all of that. Um, and then I realized that, okay, there are people that do that, but this was not inspiring my writing. This was not uh, where I needed to be, basically, to get for the energy that I was seeking. And also, I, you know, I need to be, for the writing that I do, I need to be where these things are happening and experience it. I can't just be writing in some ivory tower, you know, that that's how I feel about it. I need to be with the people, you know, so, so I came back and there's also, it's really interesting though, because there's a lot of, um, very disgruntled, uh, uh, expats there oh, so many americans and so many canadians and even some uh, some british people there as well and all they do is sit there well i wouldn't say that i mean there's very nice people there as well but mm -hmm. you know you get into into that environment and you sort of again you're you're removed from the reality of of the world that you left and then all that you do is just look back at it and and complain about it. a lot of um liberals actually there and um so it's just it's not a very um although the 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 scenery is very beautiful the the actual environment a lot of times can be very um j just a lot of negativity so i didn't want to be I didn't want to be a part of that. And I also felt like when I was living in Egypt during the pandemic, I got stuck there and I didn't want to get stuck away from my kids and my grandkids and everything. So I'm back. I'm back in the thick of things. It's interesting uh, just listening to you talk because I know you have traveled a lot, you know, throughout the course of your life. I uh, remember you telling me your dad was a, was a preacher. Uh, you kind of the family tended to follow him around wherever it was that he decided to go to preach. You've been to Egypt. Uh, you've travelled all over the world. You've done different things. But isn't it strange that when you, even if you land in a far flung place, and even if it's a complete culture shock, if you're in the right place, it just feels right, and you just mm -hmm. slot right in there, even though it takes a while to acclimatise and get used to it. But by the same token, you could be somewhere a little bit closer to home. It might just feel right. It doesn't just sit well with you. And I think I think too many times people ignore that gut feeling and they ignore that the fact that they're not at peace in a certain place and they stay maybe a bit longer than they should to their detriment. I think we need to be more conscious of that, you know, spirit within us that says, you know what, I feel like I'm in the right place right now or I need to get the hell out of here as fast as I can. I think we need to be uh, tuned in uh, to that. Otherwise, uh, we could be uh, doing ourselves a lot of harm. That's right. I, well, I know you, you know that because I know you've lived and had these same types of experiences that I've had, it sounds like. But um, yeah, I mean, I encourage people, I'm always encouraging people, get out of the city, you know, especially if you have children, young children, um, you know, escape as much as you can from the cities, especially. But I'm back living in the city because, I, you know, I, I, it came to a point where over these past, you know, three years that I've been doing this writing, you know, there are people who, I mean, I belong in, 
in this battle, you know, I mean, I'm at this, I, I, I don't have the, maybe the, um, you know, if my, if my, if I had small children, it would be a different situation for me. You know, I'd feel like that responsibility to get out, but I'm at a, I'm at a place in my life where I can be in that battle. I'm going to give it my all, you know, and, and, and so that's what I'm going to do, particularly leading up. I feel like to the, 2024 elections, things are going to start really getting crazy. I mean, things are getting so crazy now. Mm. I don't even know what to write about anymore. I don't, I, there are people who write, you know, like every day they come out with an article. Mm. I come, I do longer pieces, you know, more sort of in-depth pieces. And so it's really hard for me to choose what to write about because there's so much going on. So that's a big challenge too. Yeah, and if any, I, I'll just to give it a serious plug here, but I'm not just saying this because Karen's on here and Karen's a guest of mine and somebody that I like very much, but genuinely her writing is absolutely top notch. And if you if you use Substack, and in fact, we're trying to drive people away from the traditional social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram, etc. Substack is a very condensed place. It doesn't seem to have the same kind of baggage that uh, social media platforms has. And it's a really good platform for writers or speakers or artists to use. So check out Karen's Substack, which is khmezek, M-E-Z-E-K, dot substack.com. And when we come back, we've got to take a quick break. I want to try and delve into some of the recent pieces that you've written, as well as some other things that are going on domestically in the US. So please stay tuned for that. We'll be back in one minute here on TNT. Don't go away. Now, TNT Radio News. I have huge news. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Do it. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. Russian President Vladimir Putin has addressed his nation for the first time since the weekend's armed rebellion, describing the uprising as a colossal threat to his country. Australia will soon have the power to fine social media companies billions of dollars if they fail to remove whatever it considers to be fake news. And Russia says its forces have intercepted two British fighter jets and a spy plane over the Black Sea after the aircraft allegedly approached the Russian border. For all the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website at tntradio.live. Stay in touch on TNT Radio. Okay, Karen, one of the pieces that you've uh, recently written, in fact, it was just a couple of days ago uh, that this was published the 22nd of June, To Live Forever, talking about the fountain of youth, that there seems to be this uh, relentless pursuit uh, towards immortality or at least living forever in the current form that we're in, whether it be by you know staying healthy, uh, taking adrenochrome or using transhumanism to live, you know, your spirit or the essence of you will live forever in some kind of metaverse. What is it with this uh, fascination with people wanting to live forever? Do you want to live for another 30 <laughs> years in your current body? Uh, I know I, I don't think I could. I don't I don't want to see what shape I'm going to be in when I'm 70. Uh, and I'm about, about to turn 50. I can't imagine wanting to be around until I'm like 200. Can you? <laughs> Oh, I, I always found it even before when people would talk about reincarnation, uh, you know, when people got into this sort of Eastern mysticism and all of that, um, and this attachment to this world, because there's a fear, obviously, of death and the, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the greatest unknown and the greatest fear I think that we have as humans, you know, from the minute that you're born, you're just relentlessly moving towards this one thing that you know is that it, it will end. And, um, and in, in the, in the meantime, we live 
<clears throat> we have to live by faith. We live by faith. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I talk about is that every day you live by faith. You walk out the door. You you have to have faith that, you know, everybody's going to stop at the red light. You um, And everybody doesn't always stop at the red light. But you, you know, we're living like this constantly. We, we get used to it. But it's, it's a kind of a strain. If you don't have anything you know, beyond that, uh, to, to give you hope or to believe in it's, it, it's a, it's a great strain, I think on people and this idea that you, that you could be, you know, reincarnated and continue in this life, in this body. So this is an extension of that, that these people, they want to make this body keep on going this, this, um, temporary vessel that, that we, that, that we inhabit. And I, I find it to be, you know, quite, horrific. Um, I, I quote in their interview with the vampire by Anne Rice, which is one of my favorite books. And it's a this great book about, <clears throat> you know, a vampire wanting to tell his story to people. So to, to as a warning to them, you know, and that he, you know, that living forever on this planet becomes such a burden, it becomes such a burden. And um, that eventually anyone would want to you know, somehow escape it, you know, and, and that's the thing that it, it's, it's kind of like a horror, a night, a nightmare, but everyone has to learn that for himself. So this vampire, he's telling the story to this, um, you know, to this journalist, this young journalist, and he tells this whole incredible story, this horrific story, and he gets to the end of it. And what does the young journalist say to him? He says, make me a vampire, <laughs> you know, and he didn't learn, you know, all he wanted, no, but he he, and, and, and he didn't listen. And, and the, the vampire is like, um, he, he put all that effort in, into that. And that's, I kind of, the thing too, is that we all need, you know, we all need to learn our own lesson, but it seems like people never learn. They never learn. No, and it's don't. just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, 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 but it's these, is the is these elites i hate that word but i don't know what else to call them really who now have so much money and so much resources that they think that they can pursue this you know and that they're somehow going to find find their immortality here and it's insanity <clears throat> it's basically insanity well, i know you and i we share the same faith uh, not everybody does but that it's each to their own some people believe in reincarnation some people believe you're just here and when you die that's it there is no afterlife again that's that's up to them but for me personally you know i have a complete peace i have a faith you know that i'm born again uh through faith in jesus christ and if i die i'll have eternal life uh through my faith in him so if i was to die today or if you were to tell me rick you've only got five minutes left at 11 40 a.m your time you're going to be dead it doesn't bother me or faze me in the slightest whether people believe in that or not is their call but that's mine and it gives me a peace and also the interview with the vampire thing that you said ironically just as i was thinking about you this morning and thinking about what we were going to talk about and there's that classic uh, verse i'm just going to quote one verse from the bible it's mm -hmm. psalm 90 verse 10 uh, david says the days of our years are three score and ten which is around about 70 years so we've got approximately 70 years in this earth he says if by reason of strength they be 80 years the strength is labor and sorrow for we are soon cut off and we fly away so basically what he's saying is look you've got approximately 70 years but if you make it to 80 you're going to have a hard time because it's not easy being an old 80 year old no matter how much you've looked after yourself or how much you've took care of yourself those years are going to be uh, labor and sorrow so i think what we should be doing 
all of us are trying to do is live in the moment, make the yes. best of today and stop chasing stuff that's not ever going to be a reality, which is this immortal life on earth, even through transhumanism, which is seeing a pretty disturbing rise at the moment, don't you think? I know you and I have talked about uh, Musk in the past and what his plans and schemes are, uh, what his uh, motivation could be. Do you find that there's a real acceleration uh, in interest in AI and pursuits of things like this and development of AI? What way do you see things maybe in 12 months from now? Is it going to develop, keep developing at a, at a breakneck speed or will it stall, do you think? I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's going to keep developing at this breakneck speed until it develops itself to death. I mean, I, I, I don't know how, this momentum that's going is just going to keep on going and going and going. And AI is developing at such a great rate. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see that stopping at all. I mean, I, I quote, I, I, in this essay, I go into three different approaches to life. You know, the first one is um, this uh, Belmont, this scientist Belmont who what they always do is they always assure us that they're doing this for the sake of humanity, for the sake of our health, to, you know, um, to learn more about diseases and to stop diseases. But they're really, but really the money behind it are these elites like, uh, who, like Jeff Bezos, for example, who are putting billions of dollars into finding the secrets to, you know, to life. And so one of the things, I mean, they do horrific things like making chimeras, they're making human monkey, you know, they're, they're putting human um, organs and tissues and, and into animals so that they can figure out how to, how to, um, you know, grow organs grow minds grow 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 humans or grow them i guess grow themselves and then implant them back into themselves they, they're doing horrific horrific things and um and 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 there's these ethical questions about you know well do those you know if, if those develop into beings do they have rights do they have uh, you know, so there's all these ethical questions and how they answer the eth these eth ethical questions from anything from, you know, super soldiers to um, super um, killing machines to AI to anything is, well, we're not there yet. We haven't reached that point yet. So we really can't answer that question. So they never actually answer these ethical or moral questions. They just put them off and put them off and put them off. And they just keep on going and keep on going. And so the morality and the, the you know, the right and the wrong of what they're doing, they do, they never address it. And why? You have to ask yourself, you know, we have to ask ourselves why? Because they must, because it's, because if they did, they would not be able to answer those questions. Those questions they would not be able to answer because we are finite beings and we cannot answer those, those questions only. You know, a real creator, a real God can answer those questions. We cannot. So we're, so we're desperately trying to do things that we don't have any understanding about because basically the whole idea is to replace God. And then basically with that essay, I'd say it's the most Really, it's the most important. I think it's the crux of the matter of everything that's happening right now. It's the drive and the push. And in fact, the drive and the push of, you know, humanity from basically the dark side.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it is an important piece, and that's, again, I can't encourage people enough to go and check out uh, that article along with several others that you've written recently here, because obviously uh, you approach it from your own perspective, which is the way any writer should approach any writing is from their own perspective, make it personal, and then if people line up with it, great. If they don't like it, they can go and find somewhere else. But you cover a very, very uh, broad range of topics here in your writings as well. Some other things I want to pick up on that Natalie and I have been discussing a lot on uh, TV. Uh, over the last month or so has to do with uh, there's a piece you writ, uh, wrote on uh, 2nd of June called Bursting the Conservative Bubble uh, why boycotting companies or anything else people over the age of 40 try and do will never stop for example the LGBTQ plus transgender agenda it's a bit of a mouthful there a transgender <laughs> agenda so let's look at this for example and you do some uh, deep dives here to do with, uh, you know, who runs or uh, what Bill Gates has been investing in. Like in 2019, I think it was late 2019, he invested heavily in Heineken beer. I think he put nearly $100 million, uh, into shares in Heineken. Uh, the whole thing happened recently with Anheuser-Busch, with Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light. The this, this prices went down terribly for Bud Light, but, you know, Coors Light picked it up. And there was another uh, beer you mentioned there, America's third favorite, but it's also distributed by Anheuser-Busch. Mm-hmm. The futility, really, of these boycotts, what do they actually change? Or are they simply helping wealth transfer into the hands of the like of Bill Gates, who's, for example, invested heavily in Heineken? Like, why would he, he says he's not a beer man, he's not a beer person, so why at the end of last year <laughs> would he be sticking $100 million into a beer company? And then all of a sudden, Anheuser-Busch goes down. I'm sure it didn't uh, hurt his stock uh, with Heineken in, in any way, shape, or form. What do you think about all this, or am I looking too much into it? No, I, well, I mean that's why I wrote the piece. I was looking into it. I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny because people get on board these things, and and even when I wrote that piece, I got a lot of pushback from some people. But you know, this is so great. It's amazing. Like we are making a difference. And I, I, what people don't realize, and what I say in that piece is that you know, it, it's kind of like in the universe, there's a certain amount of energy. All right. So that energy just moves around. It's the same thing with money. There's a certain amount of money and they own all of that. All right. So, so you've got these, these um, companies or these corporations or these people at the top and they have all of this, all of these resources. And all that they do is they move their money around. And I give the example, it's like if, if they, if they had a warehouse and they had all this stuff in the warehouse and they had a bunch of baskets, you know, with all they do is just, they're moving it from here to there. It gives the appearance of you know that that you know one thing is failing but one thing fail as one thing fails you know it's a balance another thing will do well and they control that so they're never really losing anything i remember when i i started a nonprofit in los angeles and and i i, I was around a lot of you know very very powerful wealthy people and one of the things that i heard continually was you scratch my back i'll scratch yours you scratch my back i'll scratch yours and even the appearance of charitability um it's it they they do deals like i'll give twenty thousand dollars to your charity and then you give twenty thousand dollars to my charity and you know the you know this is what goes on and all the appearance of these battles that we have, it's not like that at the top. There, there's no borders at, at the top. They're doing, they don't care. They will do deals with anyone and whatever. Like, like for, you know, Bill Gates, does he play football? He'd buy a football team 
if, if it was to his advantage. You know, the, these things, they think on a different level. And that's, I think, what most people don't really understand. Yeah, and it's the same with this. Uh, you know, it's not by coincidence, for example, that he also invested heavily in Pfizer-BioNTech uh, just mm-hmm. before uh, in 2019 as well. He decided to put a lot of money into uh, shares there, and he's been banging the drum for so long about how vac- vaccines, vaccines. He's got the most annoying <laughs> Kermit Frog voice. He's banging on about <laughs> his vaccines. But, you know, he's let's face it, uh, he's, he's made the play. He's manipulated the market. He knew what was coming. So he put his money where his mouth was, and it's the same with farmland. He's, I believe he's the biggest holder of agricultural land in the United States of America. He ain't no farmer, but he's buying up farmland. He ain't no beer drinker, but he's buying up Heineken. He ain't no doctor, but he's investing heavily in Pfizer-BioNTech. And, you know, his track record of investments, pretty damn good. But then when you can play and manipulate the stock market or you can manipulate market conditions based on what your agenda is, it's easy to be successful in the stock market. You and I don't have that privilege, unfortunately. Uh, we, we don't have that kind of clout. But he has, and he's, he's using it. It's just another form of wealth transfer, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think really one of the biggest examples was when Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox. I mean, did that make sense? If it was about if it was about money and success in the terms of money that we think about it on our level, they wouldn't fire him because he was the their biggest. I mean, who's bigger than Tucker Carlson? Nobody. But it, it's kind of show. It's also a way to show their power. We can do anything. We can fire. It does not matter. You know, we we will destroy you. We will bring you up. We will. It's all at our our whim. And this, what happened to Tucker Carlson, now he's on Twitter, yes. And the perception that there is this free speech, I mean, that's a whole other level of, of deceit, you know, mm-hmm. um, because now he does these, you know, these videos and they still want to silence him. You know, they have not actually fired him. He's not actually fired. They're trying to keep him silent until after the the uh, the elections. And there's an appearance of free speech, but he but we're all being you know just channeled into these narrower and narrower spaces where the you know these echo chambers. And so he's back in that echo chamber. Like I don't spend half as much time on Twitter as as I used to. It's just I don't know. It's, it's the whole thing changed for me, you know. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so all of these things that are happening, you know, I, you know there, there's a, it's a real, really nefarious, and it's, and it's hard to think, you know, if we think in worldly terms, like, oh, we're losing this battle, we're not there. Th- this worldly, like, idea of success and all of that is not what it's all about. And what you were saying when you said, if I die, you know, tomorrow, that's what they hate. That's what the, you know, the great, um, you know, uh, uh, spiritual leaders. Uh, because they cannot control you if they can yeah. they can say to you i'll give you a million dollars and you'll and you'll shrug your shoulders and say so what you know this this is what's dangerous that you are not mm-hmm. that the people and and i think this will become clearer and clearer as time goes on those people yeah. who stand up who who will not you know who do not see it on their ter- terms who refuse to see success or failure on their terms that's how we find you know our freedom actually mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, the next phase or a phase that's coming down the line as they march towards their new world government with their one world religion, which is what they're pushing towards. Certainly they're putting the building blocks in place as per now. That 
religion, whatever shape and form that it will take, absolutely will not have this uh, peace or assurance, blessed assurance or blessed hope that comes along with it. It will have a lot of terms and conditions Mm. applied and a lot of strings attached to it that people will have to adhere to to get said peace. So yeah, interesting uh, the way that that one's going. We've got to take another quick break just for uh, two minutes. When we come back, I want to look at some of the kids, uh, another piece that you wrote, some of the kids that are actually making a stand against all this uh, technology that's being thrust down their neck and trying to spend more time in the real world with real people, which is really what we're trying to encourage people to do here as well on TNT. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Uh, Yeah, with more of the same on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Easily the most bizarre story to come out of the Russian-Ukraine war so far is this weekend's coup, maybe coup, putative coup against Vladimir Putin. The story which had leftist progressives and never-Trumpers, but I repeat myself, all in a lather, was that prison chef turned caterer turned mercenary Evgeny Prigozhev of the Wagner Group had turned on Vladimir Putin. Wagner Group are the paramilitary that are fighting alongside Russian forces in Ukraine. And the story was that Wagner Group was marching on Moscow. And just when everyone supporting actual Nazis in Ukraine thought that they had finally gotten that Putin, the whole thing fizzled. Did CIA pay for a coup and then get burned to the tune of $6.2 billion? If so, Putin just pulled the best sting ever. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. St. Joseph's Indian School is much more than a school for Native American children. It's like a family. Classes are fun here. I am learning about my culture. Since 1927, St. Joseph's Indian School has provided children the education, health care, and support they need to succeed. To help give our kids brighter futures, learn more at stjo.org today. He's locked and loaded. Rick Mudd. It's a great day for the Irish. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Sorry about that, Sweeper. <laughs> that, that accordion. I don't know if you're an accordion fan, Karen, but uh, even the most hardened leprechaun like me finds that one <laughs> difficult to hear. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let's look at another story. Let's squeeze mm-hmm. another one in here. Uh, Je- well, there's two things, actually. Uh, we're looking at uh, one thing that you've focused in on that I'm very conscious of as well is this whole uh, gender ideology, the LGBTQ plus 2SL, whatever they're going to add to it. It is absolutely zeroed in on the up-and-coming generation uh, from children as young as, what, three and four years of age now that are being exposed to it in primary schools, uh, so-called parents bringing their children to explicit uh, sex shows effectively in public libraries, public places, calling themselves drag for drag or for kids, one thing and another. They seem to be after the kids in a big way. And some of the stats that you put in a recent piece was uh, that roughly 21% 
of Gen Z, uh, i.e. people born between 97 and 2003, identified as LGBT. That's nearly double the proportion of millennials identifying as LGDP, according to a Gallup poll, and close to five times the share of Gen X, uh, which is running at just 2.6%. So we can see that this is undoubtedly taking hold, even if you discount the validity of the Gallup poll, there's absolutely no two ways about it, that this is becoming something that's creeping through society all over the place. It's not localized to any one particular area. Is it fair to say that there really are, like you and I, they're like you and I, they're not trying to get us to buy into that ideology. We're too far gone and we're absolutely not having it. But someone that's a little bit younger, especially those formative minds coming up through kindergarten and into, uh, you know, grades, you know, P1, we call it primary school education. That's really who they're after at the minute, isn't it? Mm. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I go into this whole Dylan Mulvaney thing, um, you know, they, they pick out certain, like, like there's that one and the, the, or there's a couple of people like that, big influencers, but kids aren't, <laughs> those are for the, for us to get all caught up in the, oh my goodness. And, and oh, how horrible this is. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, I, I list some of the, just a few of the influencers that kids are actually watching or listening to and it's very different from what you know what what we imagine is going on when because because uh, we're all obsessed with you know dylan mulvaney um in fact dylan Mul mulvaney says that he um he <laughs> has many conservative followers i think people just are fascinated just to watch what this person is going to do next it's, it's a sort of an inter it's become a sort of an entertainment so meanwhile our children are being captured by this and people can say oh it's just a phase it's always like that you know kids but this is not a phase you can look at the progression through um you know that where this has been leading up to this point of this type of acceptance and this this um ideology is or this indoctrination is really really pushed in schools well i i start that essay with the example and i want to sort of write some things that are encouraging to people because i give the example there's a there's a video and i have the video there of this bus <laughs> and this um and the, all these kids are on this bus and every single kid is on his phone except for one mm -hmm. kid who does not have a phone and the bus driver passes out he has a health issue and he passes out. And this one kid who is not on his phone, who's living in the present world, saves the bus. And he goes up and he starts driving the bus. And then he manages to, you know, to stop the bus and the driver is passed out. He's just out. And he turns around and yells at the other kids, somebody call 911. And he has to say it over and over because they still don't realize what actually yeah, happened. Yeah, and and in, I think in this Cyberland, is, yeah, yeah, they're gone it's, in Cyberland. It's bizarre. Do you, do you not find, you see, that I saw that uh, I saw that reference in that article there. You know, he happened to be the only one, because uh, let's face it, if he had his face glued to the screen as well, they could all have been killed, possibly. Uh, but thankfully, he was in the real world and he was able to take action mm -hmm. against that. 
this is all very much, um, we know they're after this younger generation, but in the iPhone and the technology sector, what I've noticed is there's an awful lot of elderly people who are now sucked up into this as well. So I'm seeing more and more elderly folk, as I'm out <laughs> walking around doing my business or they're sitting together in groups, they're showing each other you know, pictures on their mobile phones or uh, especially if you see two old people in a coffee shop together, sometimes they would have sat and read a newspaper each. Now, They'll be sitting, scrolling on their phones. I'm seeing, uh, in this case, not the LGD. You don't see too many uh, 70-year-olds converting uh, to uh, transgenderism at that point in their life, but they're certainly trans uh, transitioning into techno technophiles at this point in their lives. That seems to be a technology that's definitely not uh, age-focused. Uh, they just want to get everybody with technology and have mm-hmm. everybody glued to that mobile phone screen. Young, old, rich or poor, black or white, it doesn't matter. They want your face attached to that screen, do they not? That's just an object for control and to be more implemented into you into your actual body into your actual mind i mean what they're doing with you know that that's the next phase not for us you know we'll be on but for our children to get and this is the why the whole transgenderism if you don't if you are nothing if you can if you are basically born as an empty vessel uh to be filled with anything to become anything um you're just ultimately humans become just another product you know uh, to be molded and so more and more kids are will be accepting you know changing they can change anything their body they can implant things into themselves they will become very accepting of all of this so that phone will become very old fashioned it will become a part of your body and you will they will be connected directly i'm writing i'm researching a piece now all about you know um Musk's different companies, um, Starlink, um, the the satellites, the the whole, the goal of connecting the entire world to the internet. You know, so wherever you are in the world, you will you will be you'll be connected to this giant hive. Basically, you will just become a part of of this giant mind basically Mm -hmm. this mind and um you know that that's what they want for our children to control every aspect of them and uh, you know to to start living more and more in in this sort of uh, fake world basically and and it will never bring them satisfaction it will never bring them happiness you know the more they're obsessed now with with these um videos of their influencers who do all this incredible plastic surgery changing their bodies the next thing will be opening up their minds you know opening mm-hmm. up their minds that their inner selves to this type of influence so that's it and and we need to really I believe that, you know, the future generations, uh, the young people, this will be their world, this will be their language. And I, I do believe there will be ways that they will fight against this that we cannot even imagine now within technology. There, they will have to do it, for, you know, there will be rebellions, and, and um, but we can't even contemplate what that will be in the future. It's interesting. I'm not sure who the source of this was, and I'm paraphrasing. It could have been uh, Yuval Harari. It could have been Musk himself. But he said, you know, we're already uh, part of the way to becoming cyborgs anyway, because although there's no physical implants, uh, Neuralink implants going into people's heads now per se, if you think about it, that phone, okay, you will see it 
stuck to people's hands, almost as if it was surgically implanted onto their palm. It's unusual to see someone without it either in their hand or wedged into the back pocket of their jeans or their trousers or somewhere touching their body or at least separated by a, you know, a flimsy piece of cloth. And think about it too, the panic that some people fall into when they are not attached to the phone. So if they leave house, they leave the house without it in the morning. If they haven't gone too far from home, they'll turn and come back or else they'll be in a panic all day because they've been separated from their source of information and their source of communication. And it is almost like a separation anxiety. It's like a, a, like a, like a panic attack sets in if somebody forgets their phone is like what have I missed and uh, another thing that I challenge people on is how often do you switch the thing off I don't mean set it down and not look at it I mean actually physically switch your phone off every night I think to be fair in the all the the four years that I've had this one or three years that I've had this one I've maybe switched it off two or three times (laughs) set it down for an extended period of time but actually switching it off is a symbolic thing and I think again people don't want to be disconnected completely they want to know they can reach for it if they need to it's the last thing they look at maybe before bed the first thing they look at when they get up in the morning it's an idol it's an idol and at the end of the day I think it's going to bring a lot of people down the music the music is playing uh, we could uh, we could launch into a very long discussion on the mobile phones and idolatry as per now but maybe that will keep uh, for the next time Karen humongous thank you to yourself for getting up so early in the morning she's an Arizona people so give her some uh, props for that one it's very early in the morning at uh, the talk you're full of beans you're bright and breezy you're smiling uh, and you've uh, lifted my spirits this morning so a big thank you to that and hopefully we'll speak again sooner rather than later what do you say yes or no I say absolutely. It was far too long. God bless you. <laughs> Likewise, Karen. You have have a good sleep, all right? And uh, I'm off to do some uh, wandering in the real world. People, don't go away. James Freeman is incoming. Stay tuned to TNT Radio. 